Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another Saturday morning, so it is time for Fizz Radio. This week, Tim Leonard with Harrison Singer as we get you set today for Wake Forest inside the Dome. Kind of a do-or-die game today after this five-game winning streak has turned into a two-game losing streak for Syracuse basketball. Going against a Wake Forest team that is not much to show for, 10-12 and on the season. So you really got to win this game today to get back on track and keep your fading NCAA tournament hopes alive. Yeah, what are you doing with yourself if you don't win this game, (laughs) pretty much? I mean, not to say it would be over today if they don't win, but... It it might be. But it's It's, not. It's it's not out of the question. It's it's not out of the question, for sure. Yeah, so big game today. Wake Forest, a team Syracuse should beat. That's the good news. No doubt, at home especially. Yeah, at home, where they actually haven't really been tremendous this year at home. Maybe not quite as good as normal... Syracuse basketball playing in the Dome. But let's start with that Duke game real quick and just put a bow on what we saw last week. Because first you lose on the road at Clemson on that Tuesday night. And, you know, you had won five in a row. You won some close games. It did feel like a couple things could have gone better down the stretch. Obviously the foul trouble, a big issue in that one. But it's okay, you lose your first game in six games. Then you go to Duke. In the first half you hang with them. In the second half, Duke looks like Duke, and Syracuse doesn't get really enough from Elijah Hughes, Buddy Bayheim, and credit Duke's defense. But yeah. to me, that was the story. It was you were waiting for Elijah Hughes to kind of get the train back on the tracks in the second half, have that Tyus battle-like sequence, and it never really came. But what was really, I mean, I guess on top of all that, at least I'd say, is dang, they got beat down inside, didn't yeah. they? I mean. Rebound after rebound. Vernon Carey Jr., 17 boards, 26 points. That's that's unfair. He doesn't the, even play like, that many minutes, and he's still putting up those type 28 of 28 out of 40 minutes of the game, and he had 26 points and 17 boards. Unreal stuff. I mean, that's going to be something today that Syracuse hopefully kind of writes the ship a little bit because they're going against a pretty big yeah. guy down low today as well. Yeah, so Olivier Czar is the Wake Forest big man, and he's 7 feet tall, 255 pounds. We're talking about Shaq, right? Oh, yeah. no, never mind, never <laughs> no, mind. We're talking about an ACC big my man. Bad, my bad, yeah. <laughs> who's hey, He puts up pretty solid numbers on a Wake Forest team that, yeah, when you look at things on Ken Palm, they're 100th in the country, Syracuse <laughs> is 53rd. They're only three and six in ACC play, or to this point on the season, rather three and nine, I should say, coming off a loss to Louisville. So, all these things point to Syracuse, and even Ken Palm has them Syracuse favored to win this game seventy five percent of the time, eighty to seventy two. He projects they're going to beat Wake Forest at home tonight. Mm-hmm. But Ken Palm, that calculations, they're good, but they can't factor in that Olivier Czar could be SU's kryptonite tonight, and that Olivier Czar is kind of the perfect formula for beating this Syracuse yeah. team. We've mm-hmm. seen it time and time Absolutely. again. Absolutely. It could be a matchup nightmare. You know, Brahma's going to have to, Sadibe's going to have to kind of, you know, show up and, and play tonight, bring his A game, because physically, you know, it's just, this isn't even speak to any struggles Sadibe has gone through at any point this season. It's just like, who? Even if, if Brahma isn't, you know, the biggest, bulkiest guy out there. 
who in the in the whole conference can put up with 250 pounds and yeah. banging down low like that? Like That's not many true. people can in general. And Sar is a good rebounder, nine and a half a game, second in the ACC in rebounding, only behind John Mooney, who we know has given Syracuse fits. But that's a bit of a different animal. And Mooney he, is a more polished and player. And Sar gets to the line as well. And when he gets to the line, he, as a big man, as a seven-footer, he's shooting 77% from that's the free solid. throw line. That's a threat. Like that, to a team like Syracuse that gets beat down low, and that's kind of been, like you said, their kryptonite, not calling – you know, the orange man, Superman out here or anything like that. But still, that is a potential recipe for disaster when you look at it. Wake Forest has him and Brandon Childress, their guard. That yeah, do he's just the scorer. A lot of Oof. their scoring. Childress is right around 15 a game. So those are kind of the two guys to watch. And for Syracuse here on their side of things, I just want to see Elijah Hughes sort of dominate a game. And I'm not saying it has to be this particular game. And I, I do feel like that might come across the wrong way because I'm a huge Hughes advocate, <laughs> a little yeah. play on words there, and I do think he's, if anything, underrated at this stage. Right. But I think any Syracuse fan would tell you it was a little disappointing, that Duke stretch, out of a big-time player. Say what you want about whether you'd rather have Elijah Hughes or Tyus Battle. I think Elijah Hughes this year has been a lot better than Tyus Battle in a lot of areas. Sure. But at the same time, Tyus Battle showed up in those big games like the Duke game, and he would never have a stretch like Hughes had where he really, I mean, he scored 10 points in the first 10 minutes of the game. It looked like he was going to yeah. have that Tyus Battle-like performance. And then from the 14-minute mark of the second half to about the two-minute mark remaining in the game, he did not score a single point. And yeah. Syracuse had 88 points. It wasn't like they weren't scoring and Duke yeah. was playing great D. I mean, that was... Hughes not getting to his spot and not being maybe as aggressive as you'd like to see. Yeah, I kind of running through just, I mean, he shot 6 of 19 from the field, which is, I mean, goes out saying that's not efficient. Yeah. It was interesting, though, because I feel like Hughes this season, as opposed to Tyus Battle last season, he, Syracuse is getting a little bit more scoring outside of their number one option this year. Yeah. I think that makes Hughes's job easier in the sense that now opponents kind of have to consider Buddy Beheim more than they did last season. Joe Girard's came onto the scene, you know. And, especially in that Duke game. And was I was just going to say, who led Syracuse in scoring against Duke last Saturday? It was Dolajai at 22 points. And, I mean, it's just the game that he plays, he's obviously not like a typical scorer. But, you know, I think with the game that he plays, if you can take Hughes out of the game and Buddy's not shooting well and, you know, Joe Girard isn't proving to be, you know, too too effective. He, he did have 17, but 4 of 14 from the field. It's like, all right, Duke probably is saying, you know, in that, like, all right, well, let Dolajai hurt us if we have to, but we're doing our job not letting Hughes hurt us. Buddy hurt us. Yeah. You know, Girard hurt us. And, I, I mean, that could be a recipe for Wake if – you know, they, they, if they want to win this game, but obviously Wake is not Duke whatsoever, no. so those guys might come alive again tonight. The positive spin on the Duke game is you really only got Dolzhai to play a little bit better than average. Out of all those individuals on the Syracuse team, Gary was fine in the first half, and then he fouls out. Yeah. Gerard hit some shots late, but, you know, it, it wasn't like any of those guys had an A game or even a B game or a B-plus game outside of Dolzhai, and you're still in it down the stretch against yeah. arguably the best team in the conference. Absolutely. So 
that's your positive spin on things. And where I'm at right now with Syracuse is I do think they are fourth or fifth best team in the ACC. I think the product they're putting out is much better than a lot of ACC teams, including Wake Forest, who comes in tonight. Yeah. But because of their non-conference, which we know is very valuable when it comes to tournament time and comes to March, the committee looks at that stuff. And because of what they did at the start of ACC play, you just can't lose a game like today. So even if they are playing better than a lot of these ACC teams, you've got to win today. Absolutely. It's it's, it's very, very, very important. And it's just frustrating. It, it's kind of a typical ebb and flow in in the world of a, of a Syracuse fan. If you're you know yeah. Syracuse faithful right now, where you know you lose two straight to start conference play to Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, two tough losses by I think a combined five points total between the two games, which is right. And then, then you consider, add Clemson's, a, and a then you go, loss. but then you go on the five game winning streak, and you think things are great, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And then you go to Clemson, lose by one. Right. They've lo- the last before Duke. The last three times they've lost were by a combined six points. Yeah, they're ripping fans' hearts out, Tim. <laughs> Playing, toying with their hearts, and yeah, they, you know, honestly, credit where credit is due because they did keep up with Duke. They did lose by nine, but they put up eighty-eight points. I know they were at home and and whatnot, but yeah, it helps when you got thirty-one thousand on your side. Absolutely, and and it's also rare, though. I mean. It's almost just as rare to see the Syracuse team put up 88 points as it is to see them let up 97. So it's like kind of, oh, they're going to let up a lot of points here, but then score a lot. It's like right. when is it going to come together where they're going to you know, put up a lot of points and, and do their thing, what they usually do, keep the opponent 70 or lower range. So maybe that's today, but who knows? Well, they got to win today. Before we take a break here, and we're going to discuss some National Signing Day 2 on the other side. That wrapped up yes, this sir. week on Wednesday. We'll get into these new coordinators, too, for Syracuse. A couple of new hires on the defensive side of the ball to discuss later on here on Fizz Radio. But I think we got to ask the question we'll probably ask every week for the rest of the season. What do you think, if you had to put a percentage chance on making the NCAA tournament this stage? I think it's obviously way lower now, but Oof. what comes to mind that's, for you? That's the good question, isn't it? So what do we have now? We have, I think, nine games left, I believe, in the, in the regular season. I think yep. it's nine. Um, nine games Including left. today, yeah. So, look, I, th- I do think they're going to win tonight against Wake Forest. I, the NC State game, I'm very interested to see the outcome that of that. At FSU is going to so. be tough. At Louisville is going to be tough. So when I look at you know some of these other remaining games, can they afford to lose three more games this season and make it? The answer to that, in my opinion, is no. You don't get in, and I guess at that point it might depend on how they do in the ACC tournament, but it's going to be tough to get in with 12, 13 regular season losses. Yeah. It, it is. You lose three more times, you're 11-9 and nine and 18-13. And, and it's funny because we've we've been here before and i think several times in the in the you know not too distant past so i mean what is recent history kind of <laughs> suggested you know they've gotten in as an 11 seed before after losing double digit times in 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 a, in a season and they've even made the final four afterwards but it might be one of those things where if they end up losing two maybe three definitely not four but if they end up yeah. losing two three games and and win two win two three games in the ACC tournament those chances go to about 50. But right now, right now, we're probably looking at a 25, 30% chance. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. And on one hand, it's the ACC is so bad that that's sort of favorable for them because there is a roadmap to making a run in the ACC tournament. That's the thing, yeah. 
it's like the conference is just waiting for that team to break into that four spot. And I think Syracuse could be that team, especially the way they finish. They do have a lot of winnable games after at Louisville. When you finish Georgia Tech at home, Pittsburgh on the road, North Carolina, who's not normal North Carolina at home. That's still crazy to me. Yeah, and BC and Miami, two away games to finish, but probably the two worst teams are bottom tier of the conference for sure. Absolutely. So you could reel off five in a row after Louisville and Florida State, but at the end of the day, you need a marquee win, so you probably have to pick off at least one against Florida State or Louisville at this stage, and I think it's 25-30. You do have to win, and, and it almost – I'd be nervous because say they do win at Louisville or FSU, one of those games, I look at that Pittsburgh game at Pittsburgh on February 26th, and I just – like to me that screams trap game. Yeah. Like if they do win one of those games and they're feeling themselves going into Pittsburgh – You can't slip up. Right. Yikes. Like you never, never know at that I think – I just figured out what they're going to do, and we'll go to break here in a sec, but – I think they're going to beat Wake, lose to NC State, and then everyone's going to count them out, all the papers, everything, and then they'll come back and beat Florida State. Because that's that's the Syracuse way at this point. Well, we'll talk some football recruiting on the other side. This is Fizz Radio. Don't go anywhere. Right here on The Score 1260. We are back on Fizz Radio right here on the Score 1260. Got you till 10 a.m. this morning. Tim Leonard here with Harrison Singer. Yo, yo. You can catch us online, orangefizz.net, on Twitter at orangefizz. We had a lot of coverage this week on our website for National Signing Day number two. It's not quite as big as National Signing Day number one in mm. December now that they've spread this out a little bit. But Wednesday was the second installment of National Signing Day, and Syracuse picked up four more commits. So you've now got 22 total scholarship commits in this class. And Syracuse is still kind of around the same rankings we've seen from them since Dino's taken over and really even before that, which is 10th in the ACC in terms of this recruiting class and 59th in the country. On one hand, it's kind of more the same, but I do think this National Signing Day 2 was good because you picked up not one, but two quarterbacks, and especially this Markowitz kid from Texas, I think really could be a steal, just given the fact that he's from Texas. Yeah, it's no, huge. that's that's a, it's true. Like I've I spoke about it and you know good riddance and and hope he's doing well. Chance Amy and and all that he did transfer out of away from Syracuse, yeah. but I think maybe if he had an opportunity, I might have seen in training camp. Oh, Devito's got the starting job. I ought to you know perhaps try something different elsewhere. But those three-star recruits out of Texas, they definitely get lost in the fold of things. I, I believe Johnny Manziel, and I, even if it didn't work out, you know, in you the NFL, it yeah. worked. Yeah, it worked out. You know, um, in college for him. So I, he came out of te- the state of Texas. I think I thought he was a three-star recruit. Might have to fact-check me on that, but I believe he was. And he wasn't highly touted. Not highly touted. Yeah. Yes, absolutely not. And it, it's easy with all the football that goes on down there and all the players, youth players that take part to just kind of get lost. Talent kind of just flies under the radar. Yeah, and when you look at Dylan Markowitz, and I went in to check out his highlight tape. We had a good interview with him earlier in the week. You can go back and find that on any of the podcast apps or related to Orange Fizz, J.D., Rachi, one of our colleagues, spoke with him. He's very impressive in this interview. Gave a lot of good stuff on why he came to Syracuse and his relationship with Sterling Gilbert, the new offensive coordinator, who obviously was based out of Texas for a while, and that was a big reason why. But when you look at his highlight tape and then you look at sort of his physical 
skill set. He's six four and a half, two fifteen. Highlight tape looks good. Mm-hmm. Big strong arm. Big numbers down in a hotbed area in the Dallas area. Threw for over four thousand yards. And yeah. it, I know he played in sort of an air raid style of offense, so that helps. But everything checks out. And then you get to his offer sheet. And it is very underwhelming, and you almost wonder, like, why aren't teams more— why is it that Syracuse is the only Power 5 team in the fold here? He did say he's gotten more interest lately. I think Baylor was reported, which is good to hear. (laughs) Boise State is obviously a pretty solid team that offered him. But no Power 5s, and that part maybe makes you a little concerned overall because it just doesn't quite add up. Yeah, I I, I feel you on that, and— the only thing I can really say to that is, you know, and the hope is here that maybe Syracuse did genuinely just find a diamond in the rough with yeah. this one because... And I think they might have. Yeah, they definitely could have. Um, you know, I, I think it comes down to, and you were talking about earlier how in the interview with JD, he was giving these elaborate kind of multi-minute answers instead of, you know, a lot of the one-liners you might get with, right. you know, certain players or certain people that in, in, in interviews that don't go as well or as, as easy from you know, our side of, the, uh, of things. <laughs> sure. But, you know, when you're talking about the quarterback position more than any other position on the field, arguably, at least on offense, you want a guy mentally who's, you know, going to be able to, to lead and, and is sharp and, and, and is competent up there, you know, in, inside the head. And then it's... You know, to me, I feel like in an air raid offense, it seems as if he does have the arm talent. Maybe not quite. If, if if no power five teams are really in the mix, maybe it's not the same kind of arm talent as some of these guys we see get so so highly touted. But maybe, you know, there's something up there in, in his head where it's like that can make up for whatever isn't drawing interest, whatever reason's not kind of getting that kind of recognition from these big schools. Yeah. We'll see. He only spent one year as a starter, too, so kind of a late bloomer, yeah. and maybe that could Absolutely. lend some credence to Syracuse Absolutely. may have found a hidden gem here. And I, I think the knock on him or what people maybe would say as to why he doesn't have that great offer sheet is he played in that air raid style of offense, and there's still concerns or maybe questions on whether he can read a defense right. great, and was this just he was a byproduct of being in a very good high school football system offensively. One thing I'm curious about, too, is who was he sitting behind, if we know, like, before he got the starting gig? Were, were, yeah, they, were they, were they sure. quarterbacks that went on But he on mentioned with J.D. in the interview that it was, like, first three years he kind of went off and on and right. wasn't the official starter until his senior sure. year. and. I think he's made some strides, obviously. Yeah, from, maybe he like, just needed a chance. Definitely. Maybe he just needed the chance. Like, again, one-year starter, definitely, that is something worth acknowledging for sure because, again, down there in Texas, like, it's hard to, to get on people's radar with how many players are, are, are come out of there when you're only starting for one, one full season. Yeah, and the bottom line is they addressed the quarterback need, which yeah. was a glaring need in December. And they get not one but two. Jacoby and Morgan's the other one, another tall 6'4 guy. Not a great offer sheet, but maybe, again, he could be a hidden gem with some potential there. Overall, when you take stock in this class, on one side of the coin, it's more of the same, which I guess we probably should have expected. But I do think there was a contingency of people that probably expected a little bit of an uptick this year, considering... This group of players in the class of 2020 was making their decisions the summer after a 10-win season, and that was definitely there. 
But you followed up with a five-win season, and, and yeah. it makes sense. I mean, you have to consistently win to yeah. really see strides. That's exactly what I was thinking about this whole thing is that that 10-3 and three and the you know, Camping World Bowl victory type season to, to you know, where they ended up the season after that is that that's what, you know, it will kind of happen to you. Um, what I do think is promising, though, is that Dino's really and impressively so built a pipeline from, you know, the southeast. The, a yeah. lot of Florida, you know, a lot of Florida kids are coming through and a lot of I've seen names, too, from you know the Carolinas and other areas down there, too. So, I mean, if, if you've got a name and a reputation and a good one at that in that area and that's kind of another really equally sized pieces just putting it together now at your pers- at your school so you know maybe they are just you know eight wins away nine wins season away from you know just plucking you know a, like the high one notch above tier wise right. in those same states and now you're talking about building something where perennially can get some recognition that's how you do it i think yeah and it's very easy to get sort of ranking heavy with your mindset on this stuff because oh, yeah. that's that's really all you have to look at unless you have the opportunity to go see some of these kids play but when we're talking about a Florida kid or a Texas kid like this quarterback Markowitz yeah. all you have is rankings and the highlight tape it's unfortunate yeah yeah you just got to sort of trust what Dino Babers and the rest of the staff absolutely have seen. and on that side of things they have identified some players who, when you look back at the rankings and you see a three-star middle of the pack, like an Andre Cisco, maybe, you think, wow, like, yeah, I'm you get excited. Yeah, he wasn't higher than that. And that is something to be said about that. So maybe it's not so much look at the rankings, but look at the track record that Dino's built up here and trust that he's still going after guys and getting more guys right. that he wants. I do think there's a middle 50 very much so to be played with. In the, in the sense of, all right, you got a lot of three-star recruits on this roster. You don't want to look at each and every single one and say, oh, like, yeah, this guy, you know, was great as a three-star recruit and wasn't highly touted. He So, the, you know, the guy that Syracuse just picked up could end up being like this. That's how you yeah. build that yourself expectations that get let down because also you're going to have three-star recruits sim- simultaneously that don't even meet the prediction of three. It is... More than anything, as far as I believe, you know, high school football, when you don't have the analytics, and even when you go off stats, you're passing yards, passing touchdowns, the competition is even, you know, way, I think the spectrum is just so much wider than even college. And then, you know, it kind of shrinks as you get from level to level. But at the same time, as far as high school, and the, it, there's only so much, like you were saying, stats that you can go off of because you don't have the advanced stats with these kids coming out of high school it is really more than anything in high school about the eye test. So we'll definitely see what happens, but don't get too excited and then and don't get too down <laughs> is kind of what I would say. Yeah, that's a good message, I think, for all these high school athletes at the end of the day. So anyway, two new defensive staff hires to get into on the other side, and we'll explain why these two guys could actually really help recruiting in some of these national signing days in the future. We'll introduce you to the new defensive coordinator for Syracuse and the new cornerbacks coach who were both hired this week. This is Fizz Radio. All right, into the back half of Fizz Radio now. Tim Leonard with Harrison Singer this week as we break down a big week in terms of new hires on the defensive side of the ball for Syracuse football 
and Dino Babers, two really exciting hires, at least from my side of things. You get a new defensive coordinator. You get the Arizona State defensive coordinator, Tony White, and it's been a weird offseason with Zach Garnett coming and then going to Mississippi State. Peace. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was Didn't sign a contract. Now Tony White, you hope they get a, a pen and paper right in front of him yeah. and don't in, ensure that that happens again. But yeah. all, all things considered, I think this offseason has really just built up more hype for Syracuse football going into next year. And we'll get into the specifics of these two new hires, but – this was another solid week and another A-plus job, I think, from Dino. Yeah, good. I mean, it's always nice in general to just not have that general kind of anxiety over these important positions that previously needed filling, you know. Yeah. I mean, workouts aren't too far away at this point and stuff like that, so it's you want that personnel in place. You want, I mean, obviously we're done with the whole, you know, signing and stuff, but you're always you're always recruiting. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of a nonstop grind. So there's that too. It doesn't look good, you know, as far as recruiting high schoolers as well, I'm sure, when you have vacancies, especially after one of those vacancies was as a result of someone who you thought had signed and locked in, you know, leave. Right. Granted it wasn't SCC school in Mississippi State and you know, Arnett said that he couldn't really turn down that kind of op- like the opportunity. Can't really blame him. Right. So good for him. I can't not too can't be too happy for him, right? Cuz yeah. you know of the how it happened. But absolutely. You know, it, it puts that kind of feeling of angst to rest. And now time will tell as far as the ability to fulfill those positions, but Sounds like they definitely, at least, at least from the recruiting standpoint, yeah. you know, definitely got a, a nice, nice, nice addition. That's clearly been something that Dino wanted to target this offseason Was all right. The recruiting didn't take an incline, as we mentioned in the last segment, maybe quite as much as you might have hoped after a ten-win season. You actually went from fifty-six in the country in terms of recruiting class in twenty nineteen to 59th in the country in 2020. So you drop back three spots. But let's face it, we've said it over and over again on on these airwaves, on Fizz Radio. In order to win consistently, you've got to see strides recruiting-wise. Yeah. And I think this is great that he said he looked himself in the mirror. Maybe he looked the staff in the mirror and said, look, we need to improve recruiting at least slightly. So let's go out and get Tony White who's got a very strong track record, Scout.com, rated him as a top-five recruiter out on the West Coast. He actually probably established some new territory as well because he was at San Diego State, then he went to Arizona State, so some new region maybe out on the West Coast. Might be a little bit tougher to get those guys to come to Syracuse now, but hope Hope hope, hope he'll enjoy the cold weather. He's definitely (laughs) in for a change. Right, and Mm. it's going to be a big change for him. He did say part of the reason why – he decided to kind of make this last-minute change is because his mom is in New York City, so he's a little oh, bit closer okay. to her. Nice. And that works out well for both sides here. You get a Tony White at ASU who mm-hmm. runs that same scheme, three three five, which is exciting. Yep. But Chip West, the other guy you get, the cornerbacks coach, was a two-time ACC Recruiter of the Year, yeah, according to 247sports.com. I mean, that's great news. I love much that Dino now. is targeting – recruiting and sees that that needs to improve absolutely i think <laughs> i can all i can really say to that is echo what you said you know uh it's all about the culture it's all about doing building up the culture through recruiting and anytime you are bringing in a recruiter of the year in the conference 
you, you, I mean, as far as the awards go, you actually <laughs> literally you cannot do better than that. <laughs> right. So, and also, I, I, I feel like maybe, and this will be interesting to see. I feel like he might have taken the, the job because there was current, like short term, at least short term incentive with the talent that they have in the secondary right now. Yes. Andre Sisco is an NFL talent. They, Ify Melifonwu, yeah, NFL absolutely, absolutely, and Trail. One yep. thing, yeah, that well, he definitely comes to mind as well, and and I think one thing that even in a tough season they've been able to do is they've still created turnovers. They, oh, they, yeah. they have. I mean, there were at least four or five guys that picked off, picked balls off this year. One thing might might have been Cisco, who who ended up with like five picks and two back to back fantastic years. So, I mean, he saw the uh, what Syracuse already has in place, which is a lot of talent back in the secondary, and that could be kind of the way that they start replacing because not not everything good lasts forever, especially in college when you know players are literally in and out within a two, three, sometimes four-year span, right? Yeah. But it's like, all right, work with what we have now, and this will feed into what we can continue to bring in, at least you know, back there in the secondary. That will be the thing to watch this year is can they keep up the turnovers? Because as much as the 4-3 defense that they were running with Ryan Ward was obviously not the answer, given what happened yeah. several times. It's you know, that BC game where he got fired right after, most notably. <laughs> but Maryland it, still yeah, scars but me. They were still producing turnovers in the 4-3. Right. It just wasn't stopping anyone yeah. as much as you'd like. So now as you switch to a 3-3-5, which by all accounts is a more aggressive defense. Dino even said so in his press conference Wednesday during National Signing Day. He said, you know, we're trying something different here. We don't want to play to lose games. We want to play to win games. We're going to be aggressive. It might not be an instant fix, but I like that logic. If that is why he made this decision, I agree. This defense was playing to lose games under Brian Ward. It's I don't so think you ironic. can argue that. So it's, if this is a change mindset-wise, that'd be huge. It's so ironic that, you know, you play in the win games because I believe that Tony White coming over from Arizona State. Yeah, yeah you're right. Herm <laughs> Edwards, I mean, if you there are any the Jet fans out there, if, if there are any what I would call fellow Jet sufferers, you yeah. play to win the game. But nevertheless... I would say playing to win games versus losing them, Tim, is probably yes. a good strategy. I it know it sounds so is. obvious, but I do get what Dino was saying there. Yeah. Is you're out there to try and make an interception. You're out there to try and make a game change. Those, play, yeah. Not to those, not get beat. Those are the type of quotes that turn into because, like, when you watch live and and think about it, you do get the context, right. and they seem <laughs> less ridiculous, you know. Yeah. But those are still at the same time things that sometimes turn into viral clips. That you know, those short right. loop videos of people. It's just like saying, when Bayheim gets on after losing these games, he's like, "We just didn't make shots." Well. <laughs> No, no. Well, gosh darn it, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> it, it always starts with that, when doesn't it, Jim? Get... <laughs> but, hey, I think this was a very positive week for the football program. Absolutely. And if we were to graph sort of where the stock of the program or excitement is for next season, it's only going up, at least for me. And I think the fan base would represent that. It's a steady incline based on adding some quarterbacks, filling that need in the recruiting class, and getting some questions. strong recruiters I got here. two questions now. Two, I think, are 
even no matter what the deal was with you know the, the the hires, I think these still were the two biggest questions for the team going into next season. Regardless, well, offensive line maybe. That's what I was just oh, gonna okay. say. So I, one I of you. them, one of them is how is this offensive line going to look like next year? And then we were just mentioning the two quarterbacks. What's, what's the quarterback situation going to look like next year? Is this Tommy, is it even Tommy DeVito's job to lose a and B, even if it is how much run will he get for his money? Or, I mean, since this is the NCAA, no one's making money here, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't see a world where Tommy DeVito is in a competition and that's not so much based on because he was underwhelming last year, but that's more based on line. I just don't think they have anyone ready here. To, yeah, I mean David Summers is a guy who was in the last cycle, but there's Clayton Welch is now yeah. gone, mm-hmm. and even Rex. Clayton Welch, what about Rex? Yeah. <laughs> Shout right. out Rex Culpepper. Like there's decent backups, but there's no one that is. When you look across the ACC, there's always some competitions between a guy who could probably start at another ACC school. Mm-hmm. Syracuse doesn't have one of those mm-hmm. in the quarterback room this year, I don't think. I think it'd be smart to to even if it's not a true competition and I'm I'm holding up, you know, two fingers on each hand up in the air right now. Air quotes, you know, yeah, yeah, a little air quote action going on, but like a competition kind of thing where in quotations where maybe the job is DeVito's and that's kind of pretty much established, but you create a thing here where hey, if you slip up, if you take this for granted a little bit excessively like you never know because I feel like regardless of how the offensive line played I don't think he played DeVito played well enough to to walk in feeling like everything is 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 no. you know great like he's you know walking on vacation a trip to the, a trip to the beach like it didn't help the offensive line but he still knows he should be better he's got to be pushed I think yeah right. yeah I think that's a good point but regardless I I do think these Tony White is a defensive coordinator who really hasn't been a defensive coordinator at Arizona State. He had the job, but he hadn't actually coached any games. But mm. he comes over from the same system at San Diego State, that three three five, And I'm excited about that defense. A little bit more aggressive next year. And I do Play think the Play to buzz, win the game. Yeah, <laughs> Play exactly. to win the game. It's so simple. It just might work for Syracuse football. <sighs> and maybe they can get back into bowl territory. I'm optimistic after what I've seen this offseason. I think Dino's checked some boxes. So we will wrap things up with Fizz feedback, as we always do. On the other side, stay with us. This is Fizz Radio. Wrapping things up on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard, Harrison Singer here with you. Time to get to Fizz Feedback to wrap up the final five or so minutes of the show here. We always tweet out some polls at Orange Fizz on Twitter, and we will get to your responses now. First poll we tweeted out, would you rather still have Zach Arnett at defensive coordinator, who of course was supposed to be the Syracuse D.C., now at Mississippi State, or would you rather have Tony White, who is now the Syracuse defensive coordinator, Coming over from ASU, right. I kind of expected this answer, but 88% on Twitter say the current guy, Tony White, is who they'd rather have. That First of all, I want to say that the question is, is, is a, it's a doomed question. Yeah. And here's why. Because, and I, I, I'm sorry to the 87% of the of voters here that voted for White, but at the same time, one guy is he scored a job in the SEC and the other didn't. And and yes, and even I hope I can be proven wrong. Like 
that is the that is the hope that is the goal here so maybe you know that will happen but if we're basing it off of current reality off of the facts one guy is coaching in the SEC this year and the other is not yes he was supposed to coach at Syracuse 100% yeah he ended up going he ended up leaving because he got a job in the SEC coaching for for um Oh, Leach, right? Mike yeah, Leach. Mike so, Leach, like, yeah. this guy also knows how to hire people. He's been in the <laughs> yeah. game for a long time. So, I feel like the 87% here, it's startling because, you know, and I can't say I'm shocked because people love their team, but yeah. I'm sorry. That's just my reality. Well, I'll tell you why I think people are saying 87% of people are saying white is because, like, we got a response from John Andrew 444. He said, Arnett's a traitor. Why would you want him? Right. So let me just say, before we get into that, yes, Zach Arnett, not a great thing to do to commit to a team back out a couple weeks later. Let's just preface this by saying, though, isn't that what Tony White just did? Yeah, that's a a really good point. That's a really good point. Syracuse was upset with Arnett as they should have been, for not just plucking them in, not so. staying to their commitment there, not him not staying to the Syracuse commitment, but Tony the White, double standard? I mean, they just did the Scoreboard. same thing. Oh. They just did this, and that's college football. That's what you do. And that's, that's the coaching carousel. I think that if you're going yes. to make the claim he's a traitor, let's not yeah. let's at least acknowledge go that talk Tony to White was supposed to go to ASU. Yeah. Yeah. Play to win the game. <laughs> you play to win the game. Just for one. But, so. yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Like, you're totally right. I didn't even think about that, and it's a great point. And nevertheless, I mean, one guy was set up to coach at Syracuse and now is in the SEC under a, right. a, an established head coach. No knock on Dino, but, I mean, Leach has definitely spent time, you know, in college yeah. football extensively. And then another one was going to be coaching, and the other was going to be coaching in the Pac-12 at the same system, so this worked out well. It's but. a never-ending cycle. Well, you yeah. could do the same poll for Arizona State, and you know, whenever they hired their new yep. defensive coordinator, and about 88% are going to say, yep. I'd rather not have Tony White yes, at the sir. Arizona State side because he's the traitor. Yeah. So there's always someone traitor. That's just college football. John but. Andrew, 444. Yeah. I feel like he... Uh, he might be uh, <laughs> another one of these eighty-seven percent that the the vote was according beca- accordingly with uh, you know a way right. of coping you know with the, uh, the maybe the dub. I mean, he he did trade on Syracuse. You, you can't deny that. Oh, uh, he absolutely did. Yeah. But. So, our last question here on Fizz feedback: What defense should Syracuse play against Wake Forest? And I laugh a little bit because I did put out this poll, and I'm sure some people snickered at it. But I, I, let me just say. I think they should play the 2-3 zone. The options I gave are 2-3 zone, man-to-man, and both. And I don't think it should even be a discussion. But I just wanted to gauge the fan base here. And only 67% say play strictly 2-3 zone. 18% say play both against Wake Forest tonight. 15% say man-to-man. And Brent Axe wrote an article for Syracuse.com saying he thinks there should be man-to-man. So I just want to see where people are at. Hmm. I still like the zone. Uh, That's a good question. Uh, Maybe there's a way to... (laughs) Uh, that's, a, that's a, I think it's a tougher question than than it seems because two three zone the two three zone especially when there's length like they really always do have is it it screws up the flow for a lot of people a lot of college kids facing it, um, but when I think about down low like I mean you gotta like make today. sure you collapse yeah like like tonight so 
I guess I'd say 2-3 zone, but it's probably effective if you can switch it up and give Wake Forest or any team you're playing for that matter different looks. But if I had to pick one, 2-3 zone. But I'll show love yeah. to both as well. 67% at 2-3 right. zone, I think is a, about what I expected there. Right. And Jim has obviously danced with the idea, and as he does every preseason, said, well, we'll probably play some man-to-man this year, but right. we have not seen it. And I know the argument is... It's like the Brady injury report, the Tom Brady injury yeah. report. Oh, he's got an ankle injury. He might right. not play. Yeah. Yeah, right. There's a, right. It's like when a star player is questionable, yep. but you just know that they're playing. Exactly. I I would be shocked if we see man-to-man at some point this year. And I understand why the fan base is sort of clamoring for it, because maybe you just want to see it. But, look, the 2-3 zone has worked for a while, and it's gotten Syracuse to a lot of good places, so I'm not going away from it. But we'll see what they do tonight against Wake Forest. Big game, as we said, do or die. Definitely got to win. You got to follow Orange Fizz on Twitter for live updates. And that'll do it for this week's Fizz Radio. For Harrison Singer, I'm Tim Leonard. Talk to you next week.